Good morning. Sorry, I closed my notes as I was walking up. That's so silly. My name's Chelsea. Nice to meet you. Yeah, great. Everybody tell me your name. One, two, three. Nice to meet you. This is AJ. He's my husband, and he's bald. Isn't that fun? Great, great information for you to know. Um, we are new to your area. I'm going to share why we're new, so that just hold on. We're getting there. Um, we are representing Nazarene missions this morning. How many of you are grown up in the Nazarene church? You know all the lingo. You, like, memorize the manual. Okay. I see that, right. that kind right. of. You didn't want to claim it. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome for all of you that didn't raise your hand. I am in your club. I did not grow up in the Nazarene church. So this morning, I'm going to share things with you from the perspective that was helpful for me. I won't be using any acronyms because the Church of the Nazarene loves them. It's crazy. We need like a dictionary in the back of our manual. Um, AJ and I met at college. It was Mid-American Nazarene University, one of the many Nazarene colleges in the United States. And uh, we fell in love over milkshakes. So sweet. Um, if you have a favorite milkshake, let us know. We're fans. Uh, since then, we got married. Crazy, right? You didn't know that part. And uh, we have served in various ministries throughout the world. So we started off trying out an apartment ministry. We were planting a church where uh, we, we didn't know what we were doing, and it failed really badly, crashed and burned. But the Lord is good and faithful and teaches lessons even through our failures. And so we moved on from there, and the church said, you know what, you failed at that, but maybe you're youth pastors. And so we moved to Florida and served for two years as youth pastors. There's a key to this. When we moved there, we did not like teenagers. Uh, that quickly changed, which is good. And we learned that we actually love doing youth ministry, and we can't imagine the church without a teen group of some sort. I love middle schoolers. They are awesome. And so we, we did that. We've also worked in immigration reform and um, working with a shelter that received uh, boys that had crossed the border due to violence or uh, tragedy or trauma in their home culture. And so we worked with those to find safety and security. Those are some of the things we did stateside. <laughs> and then the Lord was like, hey, you know, when you were in college, you had that call to cross-cultural missions, it's time. And he said it in that voice, it's time. And then we moved to the Dominican Republic where we served for five years in Santo Domingo. That is the nation's capital. It's like our Washington, D.C. So most of the time when we tell people we were missionaries, they immediately think that we uh, lived in a grass hut and most likely I wore a skirt and uh, we stood on the street corner preaching the word of God. That was not the case. We had Ikea down the street from us and Krispy Kreme donut was readily available. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes. It's appropriate use of that word. Um, so we lived in a big metropolitan area. It was a city of five million. That's bigger than Chicago, if that gives you some realization. 
And we loved it. We, uh, for three years of our five, we served in what's called work and witness, which is the Nazarene term for mission trips. So we would receive teams like from your church here. You would send us a team and they would come and work for 10 days, usually, typically, doing construction with us, but we also did things like VBS, we taught workshops, we did pastoral training, whatever the need was, we met the need. That's kind of our theme. And um, we saw a lot of growth and fruit from that, and in the midst of that, the Lord took the two of us and created a love for the city in the midst of living in this urban context. And so now we have recently relocated to Syracuse, where AJ's gonna share a little bit more in a, in a little bit, but um, we are starting a brand new journey. So we have lived in, in the upstate New York district, which is what you belong to in the Church of the Nazarene. We like to break things up in bite-sized chunks. You participate in the upstate district. It's everything except for Metro New York. We don't talk about them. <laughs> and we are working with your district to rethink church planting. What does that look like in an urban context, in a declining church culture? Um, and so that is what we are doing. This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about ways that you participate in the kingdom of God globally. I don't know if you know this, but we are one of three global denominations. One of three. It's a really small club that we belong to. Uh, that means you can go around the world and enter into a church of the Nazarene, and hopefully, fingers crossed, you should hear the same doctrine that you would hear here. It's not the same message. We aren't like the, the Catholic church in that everybody's preaching the same message every Sunday. But you can be assured that we are going to teach a doctrine of holiness and sanctification. We are going to talk about evangelism and discipleship. We are Christian. We are mission. And we are holiness. holiness. Thank you. Forgot a pillar of the church. Good grief. <laughs> you sure you want me up here? Um, so those are the things we want to talk to you about this morning. How do you, right here, participate in the global vision of the Church of the Nazarene? We're going to share a story of how we've seen the kingdom of God be built through your participation in that story. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, we're going to open up to John 15, starting at verse 1, going through verse 8. When I was a kid, they, they used to do these drills like they'd have you get out your Bible and they like shout out a scripture and you have to be like the first one to find it. Apps make that a lot easier now. You can just like boop, boop, done. I win. Um, so John 15, uh, starting in verse 1. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's trying to, trying to convey this message to them that how important it is for them to stay connected to him. And uh, so he he brings some context into it, something that they would understand, and that is this, uh, this story, this, it's not really a parable, but this comparing to uh, the grapevine, right? He says this in John 15, uh, verse 1. Says, I, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. <clears throat> you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So has anybody grown grapes before? No? Okay. Me neither. So we're in this, we're, we're, clear there. I have tried to grow some things, um, and they've not turned out very well. So I'm not a good gardener. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the model citizen for this. But so here's a picture. We're going to show a picture of this little diagram of, um, yeah, a vine, okay? So when Jesus says, I am the vine, he's talking about this, this big, thick, brown trunk part. When I think of vine, I think of like these little wispy parts that like get entangled into your fence and are really annoying to remove. Um, that's not what he's talking about. In the grapevine, it's the trunk. It's big, it's hardy, it's thick, right? It doesn't, it's not very flexible. Um, when you plant a grapevine, it starts off like any plant. It starts off small and it starts to grow. And within a year, you'll see fruit. But you have to cut that off so that the trunk gets thick and the roots go deep so that the plant, the whole plant will become strong. So Jesus says, I am the vine, the big thick trunk part that brings nourishment from the ground and the rain and delivers it to the fruit. The fruit, obviously, the grapes, right? The Holy Spirit and what he produces through us. That is the fruit. But we, he says, we are the branches, that little tiny stick, twig in between the grapes and the trunk. That is us. And he says that if people, that if you, if we remain in him and he remains in us, that he will produce fruit through us. He says that if we do not remain, there's another word for this that's abide. I like that word a little bit better. Um, he says if we do not abide in him, you know, we die. The branch dies and it gets cut off and thrown into the fire. And that branch, aside from the vine, cannot produce fruit. The branch needs the vine. It needs that nourishment. It needs the food, right? <laughs> Jesus is that food. He, is, he provides that nourishment for the fruit. We're not the fruit, nor are we the vine. Nor are we the rain, nor are we the soil. We're just the branch. That's just a little piece in between. And our job is to hold up the fruit. Our job is to produce fruit. Our job is to stay connected to the vine and transfer that nutrients to the fruit. That's our job. If we stop doing that, then we die. To relate to this, there's another piece in here that, that really catches my attention. He says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it's even more fruitful. That seems kind of backwards to me because when I'm growing something and I see, I see the fruit start to produce, I get so excited. I'm like, yes, finally, I have a pineapple or whatever it is that I have never grown. Um, but 
he says you have to prune that off so that the roots get strong, so the trunk gets strong, so that it will produce even more fruit. So it's not just about this one little piece that we start to see at the very beginning, but it can be so much more if we stay, if we abide in Christ. And that word abide is more than just um, coming and sitting on a Sunday morning. It's more than just coming into the building and saying, yes, I am Christian. It is living out the word. It is drawing nutrients from Christ and his word and transferring that into the community and into our families and into our friends and into our workplaces to produce fruit. Again, we don't produce that fruit. The Holy Spirit produces that fruit through us, but we can't be stagnant. That's how we die. And we've seen that at work in our lives, and here's how. So I have a story to share with you of how we have seen this passage of Scripture played out in real life. When we were serving in the Dominican Republic, um, we had a ton of different hats that we would wear as missionaries. That tends to happen. How many of you have your job title, but you wear different hats throughout the seasons of your job, right? You understand that. Or maybe you wear the hat of parent, and you wear the hat of worker, and you wear the hat of spouse. You understand. So one of the hats that we wore was called Global Missions. Now, I'm going to break down a lot of things really fast, so just bear with me. The Church of the Nazarene, again, is a global denomination, and so we have broken the world up into six regions. One of those regions is where you are sitting. It's called USA Canada. Pretty easy, right? It probably includes United States and Canada. Good job. You pass. The second region is Mesoamerica, and that is Central America, so Mexico down to Panama, and it includes the Caribbean islands. So a lot of different countries, right? The, the majority language is Spanish, but it also represents French and Dutch and English. So you can imagine meetings with the whole region are very interesting. In that region, it breaks down into fields. So a little bit smaller, bite-sized. We don't want to deal with all of the countries at once. And sometimes, most of the time, it's broken down into languages. So all of the English Caribbean is grouped together so that all of the resources can be delivered in English and they can all understand. Makes sense, right? So the Dominican Republic speaks Spanish. We're not English-speaking. But it falls into what's called the central field. In the central field, six countries are represented. Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and Cuba. So those six countries work together like a family unit. They try to do things together. They share the message of God together. Their um, leaders have meetings together. It just kind of helps create this unit, right? And then within all of those six countries, we have districts, which is what I explained earlier. You guys are on the upstate New York district, so it's a group of churches that work together to do bigger things than what our local church can do. That's the hope, anyways, right? Everybody tracking? So we have the region, we have the field, and we have the district, okay? 
and then the local churches under that. So that's important for you to understand. At first, our job was just in the Dominican Republic, and then they asked us to serve in a field role. So working with those six different countries. In those six countries, there was a total of 17 districts. That's a lot of districts, in case you're wondering. It's a lot just to work with one, but 17 is quite a bit. And so part of our job was to look into all 17 of those districts, those six different countries, and say, who in this district has a call to be a missionary, to go somewhere else and serve overseas, over borders, whatever the case may be? And we worked with those different districts to develop leaders and missionary candidates in those districts. So that's what we were doing, and then COVID hit. And I don't know how COVID was for you, but for us, we went into total lockdown. So we, we had several months that we had curfews. We weren't accepting flights from many countries, and um, it was very difficult to move people around, even in their own city. So we couldn't even send missionaries from one side of Santo Domingo to the other side. That was not an option. But we decided, you know, God's still at work even in the midst of a global pandemic. So how is the Lord inviting us to partner with his global mission even in the midst of this lockdown? Because we thought maybe this is possible. So we explored and we realized that we had several missionary candidates that were desiring deeper leadership training a deeper understanding of God's mission and their role in the mission. And we also had some local churches that said, hey, you know, God's mission still applies to us. We want to know how we can participate in the mission of God in our local context. Maybe not immediately because of this pandemic, but eventually we want to get out into our community. Teach us how. So we said, okay, great. We're going to start a school. We're going to start a virtual school called the School of Leadership with a focus in cross-cultural missions, in community mission, and how do we participate in the mission of God. So I need to backtrack just a little bit. We started that school in 2020, 2021. But in 2019 was when we started our role in this, in this ministry, and I made the decision that I could not... I couldn't manage 17 districts worth of mis missionary candidates. I just, I'm not that talented. So I knew I needed a team that could help me. So in each district, I had a coordinator, a, a missionary coordinator, that their job was to keep up with their district's candidates and disciple them and follow up with them and get them plugged in the way they needed to be plugged in. And it was working, it was great, but then I realized all of my leadership team was volunteer. So they all had full-time jobs. Most of them were parents. Most of them were, were busy with their local church as well. And so I told them, here's the deal. You have to have a team on your district that's helping you to keep up with your candidates. So I made a rule. I just picked because Jesus had three close disciples. I said, you need to have a team of three on your district. And then each of those people can handle three missionary candidates. So that's a total of nine missionary candidates on each district. That's a huge number. Normally we have one. So 
nine was shooting for the stars. And uh, we, we made this plan and it was working pretty good. And then when the pandemic hit, everything kind of halted, but we had our discipleship model already established. So they kept going. They kept having their monthly phone calls with their missionary candidates. They kept reading books together, listening to podcasts, praying together. That kept going, which was awesome. So then comes the school and we tell all of our coordinators, hey, send your missionary candidates to this school that we're starting because it's a great opportunity for them to be developed into leaders, right? That makes sense. We would create a resource for them to use. And so we did that. I opened the school registration with the hopes that we would have 50 students. It's important to note, in our six countries, internet is basically not available in at least three of them. So you can imagine a virtual school without internet access is probably hard to sustain, right? On top of that, it's a six-month school. So it's not just connect one day, like figure out how to make it work on your cell phone for one day. It's a weekly class for six months. So we knew we were, were asking a lot of these people. We knew we were asking for an investment in finances because internet's expensive. We knew we were asking an investment of time because most of them were students and most of them were figuring out this pandemic thing and how do we keep moving forward with our jobs and our studies and keep food on the table. We knew what we were asking of them. So realistically, we said six countries. One of our countries is Puerto Rico. They can handle the infrastructure of, of um, internet, Costa Rica can, Panama, so we could shoot for 50, and that will be great. We closed registration with 120 students. We were not ready. <laughs> we had not set up the system for that many students. We didn't have enough teachers. We didn't have enough Zoom classroom access. Um, we had not prepared. But God, in his good faithfulness, said, look at your team and find someone to help you with this. Because I knew this is not my talent. This is not my skill set. I needed somebody that could manage this school and run with it. Like I needed to dump it all on them and say, see you later. Good luck. And the person that was able to handle that rose to the top. So, sorry, I skipped a picture. Um, one of my district leaders, her name was Audis, Okay. So Audis had her team of three leaders on her district, and they were discipling nine missionary candidates. Remember that part of my story? She was doing that part. She was my coordinator in one district. When I needed someone to come and take over the school, I figured out that one of her teammates on her three-person team had a degree in educational, like virtual computer technology education the exact thing that I needed for this school. She knew how to run an online school. Who knows how to do that? Not me, but there is a problem. So I have a picture of Lady too. I don't know if you showed that already. Um, Lady worked for Audis. And in, in Latin American Caribbean culture, this is not always the truth, but sometimes, you, they respect the hierarchy more than anything. And so it is disrespectful to promote someone over their boss. So taking lady 
who worked for Audis and skipping that level and putting her on the, on the field level was disrespectful to Audis. And I knew that, but Lady had the qualifications and we were running, like it was already going, so it was too late to wait. So I, I asked Audis, I said, listen, I really need Lady. I really need her to help me and I know that that's gonna leave a hole on your district and I know that that's gonna cause problems um, but I, I really desperately need her. This school is running and it's got tons of students. And Audis looked at me and she said, if God is calling Lady to this ministry, then he will provide for us here on the district and it will be fine. She needs to go. I was shocked. <laughs> that wasn't the answer. I thought we were gonna lose Audis. I thought she was gonna quit. And instead she gracefully handed lady over with no thought. So I ran with it. I, I put lady to work immediately that like minute and uh, had her developing it. She was the exact person we needed. She ran that school so well. Again, it was six months. She got married in the middle of that and it, it didn't skip a beat and um, just killed it. At the end, we graduated with 66 students. And I would say 90% of them say they have a call to go and serve as missionaries around the world. Can you imagine 66 new missionaries in a year? Mm. That's mind-blowing. <laughs> and not from the United States, right? They're from Central America. Amazing. Lady developed more fruit than I could have possibly imagined. Meanwhile, I went back to Audi's about five months after I robbed her of this leader. And I said, hey, sorry, I kind of forgot about you. We were doing this thing and I, I'm sorry, how are you doing? I'm a great leader, in case you're wondering. Um, and I, I, I just said to her, how can I help you in this? And she said, well, actually, um, I knew that somebody needed to take Lady's spot because she had three missionary candidates that she had been discipling and somebody needed to fill in that hole. And so I just promoted one of my missionary candidates to my team because I think they're going to be going as a missionary in the next year or so. And I wanted to develop them a little bit more closely. And I thought if they were on my leadership team, I can do that. And so I said, that's a great model. I wish I would have thought of that. That's incredible. And she said, yeah, it actually is working so well that I went ahead and promoted two other missionary candidates as well. So my team of three is now a team of five. Instead of nine missionary candidates, we have 15. Is that okay? <laughs> and I said, is that okay? Are you kidding me? 15 missionary candidates from one district? That's unheard of. And so... This example of Audis and Lady, I hope you're following along with this scripture. Audis was so dug in to Christ. Her root system was so deep in Christ that me cutting off Lady didn't even phase her. She was convinced, she was confident that the root system was sufficient to produce more fruit. And oh, did it. It produced so much more than we could have ever imagined. I wasn't even expecting it, right? And then also, ladies like this transplant branch that we put somewhere else, and she too had been pruned and, and moved around and made uncomfortable, and the amount of fruit that she produced, we will never know the ends of it. Because if 66 missionaries, if five, 
go out into the world and plant churches or make disciples, and then they make disciples, the investment that lady had in that kingdom building moment, we will never know the end of it. It's incredible. It's awesome. So these, in my opinion, are examples of deep roots in Christ, producing fruit, being pruned, and then being able to produce even more fruit than we could imagine. We see that as a beautiful example of abiding in Christ and him producing fruit. Um, In our personal journey, uh, sometimes it looks more like the being pruned part, and that's hard. That hurts. Recently, we were pruned. After five years in the Dominican Republic, we started to see some fruit. We started to see what God was doing in that place and through us, and then we were pruned and asked to come to Syracuse, New York, a place we had never been. Um, Again, we left beautiful beaches for the land of snow, and um, may God bless this country. Um, (laughs) But it was hard. It was a hard, still is hard for us to leave friends and family and a ministry that we thought God was calling us, God was calling us to at that point, and be pruned to engage in something else that God is calling us to, a new adventure, a new peace. And we're excited to see how God is going to use um, our talents and skills, the things that we've learned to help this district, to help Syracuse. And we're excited to see what God is going to do through you in this community and on this district. And we want to partner with you in that. I have some questions for you to consider this morning. The first one is, how are you being pruned? A lot of people immediately think of the last couple years. The COVID pandemic um, has pruned a lot of people. It's been hard. I doubt that anybody in this room doesn't know someone who has been affected by COVID, right? It's hard. It's a pruning. Our churches across this district have been pruned because of this virus. We've lost members people who were just touching the vine and have been cut off. But we here in this room, we want to abide in Christ. We want to live out Christ. We want to gain that nutrients and produce fruit. Second question is, how are you seeking to abide in Christ? In what ways are you engaging in the mission of of God? In what ways are you engaging in community? And allowing the Holy Spirit to produce fruit through you. And what fruit is evident in your life in Christ? Sometimes we get the privilege to see that fruit being produced. And we praise God for that. We want to rejoice and remember those. This morning we have an opportunity. Uh, You're starting a thing called Faith Promise, and this is this opportunity that we get to give to missions, to missionaries, to the mission of God around the world. There's, There's these papers on your seats and around you, and it has ways for you to give uh, money, for an example. This is just one example. I want you to be attentive and listen to how God is speaking to you, how, how he is moving you, and maybe he's asking you to give a dollar, just a dollar. One dollar is more than none dollars, okay? So it helps. Maybe he's asking you to give everything, and that's hard. 
Maybe he's not asking you to give money, but maybe he's asking you to give your time, your talents, your resources, your space, your possessions. What is God asking you to give? And I want you to, I want you to hear and listen. I'm going to take time to consider these questions, but also consider how God wants to use you in this time. Because he wants to use you. He wants to produce fruit through you. We must abide in him so that he can produce fruit. This, we call it faith promise because we make a promise. Not to your pastor, not to this church, not to the district, not to us, but to God. God is asking you to give something. And so you say, okay, I promise I will give that. And we step out in faith that by giving, God will produce fruit. It may not look like what we think it's going to look like. It may be way more than what we think it's going to look like. Instead of 50 students, we got 120 students. I recently read this article that said God is claustrophobic. We like to put God in a box. He can only do this with this. But God is claustrophobic. He doesn't want to be in a box. He can do so much more if we just abide in him and let him produce fruit through us. Pastor Nick is going to come up and pray. Again, I want you to think about these questions. Maybe talk about them in your family, with your friends. But listen to God. Take time to listen to God and hear what he's asking you to give. Hear where he's asking you to go. How he wants to use you for his kingdom. Because he wants to use you for his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word and the ways that it speaks to us and informs our lives. And we remember, Lord, that you are the vine. You are our source, our sustainer, our, our source of nutrients, and we are your branches. You bear fruit in us. Or there is fruit that you desire to bear that is beyond what we have imagined, beyond what we have anticipated. And we look to you, Lord, in obedience and in expectation for how you will bring that fruit about. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to, to give. opportunity to contribute however you are calling us to contribute. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and inform those decisions. We pray that we would hear you as you call to us and that we would be obedient to you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you together.